What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and we are on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, you can find us, if you don't know already, uh, you can find us by downloading our app on Roku and Amazon Fire. Just look for Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms, some social media platforms, even though we're kind of in trouble and banned with most of them. I guess you can't talk about clones now. Jimmy Christmas. Anyway, um, even joking around. <laughs> but you can also download the E360 TV app uh, on your smart TVs, which is Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire. You can find us there. We're very, very grateful for our partnership with them. Uh, you guys are in for a very fascinating, interesting, probably going to be a very powerful discussion. And here's why. Those of you who have watched this program for the last, what, since we started three and a half years ago, the original show, which was Gratitude Unfiltered, and its evolutions, and now just here hosting with my name, um, you know that my, my story, you know that I have HIV. You know I didn't get that from eating Cheerios. Um, I battled my sexuality for most of my life, whether that was because I was molested by men uh, and women, or is it because I was born that way, or is it because I was born with sin and it was a generational curse? I don't know. I really don't. Um, and, and, and I've never been able to figure it out because as I've healed, as God has healed the um, DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder, as he's healed me, and I'm almost there, and I'm, you know, and I'm certain of my identity now, and I rarely switch, even though I, it will happen from time to time. One of the things that with that came different sexualities, different interests, and it was kind of odd and weird. It was weird for me. Imagine what it was like for my wife and Imagine what it was like for my ex-wives. Yeah, ex-wives. Um, it's been a lifelong thing for me. And one of the things that wrecked my life was spending most of my life trying to cover up for my secret life. And then, of course, my secret life had a... Phone's ringing. Hold on. Um, my secret life had another secret life attached to it. And that was all depicted in the book, The Devil Inside Me. So why is this conversation today special? Why does it matter? Why is it going to be powerful? Why is it going to interest you? Well, I'm sure some of you have heard of gay conversion therapy. Some of you have heard of being radically delivered from homosexuality. Some of you have heard it. Some of you said it was bullcrap. Some of you said it was real. Some of you said that that was just as demonic trying to change somebody how they were born. Well, whatever your opinion is, today we have an amazing guest all the way in Cambodia. I think it's Cambodia. Sure is beautiful. That's the background behind me. Um, he is a former homosexual that is now longer living that lifestyle. And now he lives his life witnessing the miracles uh, and the love and the amazingness of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm... <laughs> When I first uh, had a conversation with him about doing this interview, it was like, I, I told him, I was like, I'm, I'm blown away by this. I'm fascinated by this because there's two things about me that, you know, I, or there's other things that are not completely healed. But the one thing that God has not taken from me yet is these sexuality issues that I, if you want to call them issues, um, with, you know, that, that hasn't been delivered for me yet even though I've been through now seven deliverances. It's still a part of me, and I don't know why. Um, so I'm fascinated to find out how he did it, because 
if I was being honest with you, I'll, I'm going to make this very clear. I have friends that are transsexual. I have friends that dress up in women's clothes that aren't women. I, I know I'm friends with the LGBT community itself. I, I don't necessarily love all the parades and all that, but I have several friends that are bisexual, that are gay, that are transgendered, that dress up and weird stuff, and none of that's even my business. I have a lot of love for them. I don't necessarily support everything that's going on, but I'm not here to judge people because the fact is that I know what this is like. I know what this struggle is, and I am a man of God. I live my life in service to the Lord. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And so why it hasn't been taken from me if it's so wrong is something I often ask God myself. Life would be easier for me if I could just, you know, if I wasn't attracted to the opposite sex. Life would be way simpler for me, but it's not. And so it's something that I faithfully work on, um, and it's something that I, I don't act on, but it's very real. So we're going to get into it today. Anyway, I'm so blessed that you're here. Uh, also, there's a surprise coming up. Uh, with my wife no she's not having a baby but we are going to start doing a uh, show together and um it's going to be completely unscripted but uh, my wife and i are going to be chatting we'll be doing it on facebook live for a while until we figure out our groove but you guys are going to want to check that out of course it'll be on her page because i can't post on facebook anyway all right folks we're going to be right back after this message <laughs> Joshua T. Berglund, and we are on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you for being here. Thank you to all of our sponsors, including State and Liberty, that provided the suit. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I am absolutely honored to introduce to you, all the way in Cambodia, the author of the Straight series, Matthew Karchner. Everyone's clapping. Hello. Hello, Matthew. How you doing, sir? Thank you for having me. Pretty good. Uh, blessed to have you here, my man. Before we get into everything, uh, what are you grateful for today and why? I'm thankful to be called to serve in Cambodia. It's a wonderful country. I see Angkor Wat behind you, the, um, about two, probably two or three miles away from, from the temple complex right now. Um, 
the Lord gives great opportunity to witness here, and, and it's kind of an uphill battle. First of all, witnessing to the LGBT, and secondly, witnessing to folks who are very deeply ingrained in Buddhism, as kind of identified by the temples. People really, really uh, feel that it's a sense of national pride, and I'm Cambodian, therefore I am Buddhist. So you kind of have two mountains to climb with folks um, in accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. So praise the Lord for Cambodia, the gentleness, the humbleness of people here, the respect for elders, kind of the things that we don't have anymore back home in the U.S. <laughs> you got that right. I yeah. I was looking at um, one of the things that I like to do for our guest is, you know, where, wherever they're broadcasting from is put something memorable as the background because uh, I want everyone to feel at home. And, and it also is because I love to travel. And I like to visualize going to certain places. And Cambodia is a place that I've always wanted to go and serve because of the human trafficking epidemic there, um, especially of little, little girls. And understanding what the culture is, or at least from what I've read in reports and science and know, the, know people that go and free victims, it's been on a heart for my, in, a, in my heart as a place to serve. But I was looking at all the images of Cambodia, and it is absolutely gorgeous. And so I was going, first of all, I know about the meth epidemic there, the methamphetamine, which is really popular with the LGBT community, but um, also the human trafficking side, and then Buddhism. So you have like three big, giant things in your way of people learning about Jesus Christ. And what is that like for you? Because that is a battle. So a lot of people look at themselves and go, well, I need to get over an eating disorder or my own addiction. Well, you're going out, you've conquered one, one major, major thing, and then you've given your life to Jesus. But now you're facing three giants. And some of these, and these giants, well, meth has been around for 80, 90, 100 years, but Buddhism has been around for thousands of years. And you are here introducing Jesus to people. What is that experience like? Uh, there, there's kind of an upside and a downside. Usually, usually initial introduction, I'm seen as someone who would, who would likely be in the customer category for someone who's, who's transgender, for example, who may have, may be working as a sex worker or be interested in, uh, it's very, very common for, uh, a young lady or a, a transgender person here to to want to be, have a boyfriend that's from the West that, that they think might support them financially. That sounds stereotypical, but, but it really is something that happens often. And uh, so typically I'm looked as kind of a possible source of income. <laughs> and then that's a little bit sticky. So that's really the, the major mountain in, in the beginning is to, to break free from that uh, that stigma that, that maybe I might be interested in them sexually. And then... Uh, the other, the next thing I think is that maybe I'm lying once I share my testimony. Like, I'm, I met you from another, you're from another country on the other side of the planet. We, I don't relate to you because I'm from a Buddhist country and I'm heavily indoctrinated. Usually, usually that's the case with most of the folks I'm witnessing to. So they're thinking, I'm Cambodian, I'm Buddhist. There is no evangelism in Buddhism, right? So they're, they don't understand why you would come and share your alien faith with them. What does that have to do with me? I already have a religion, right? And so um, the, the, the jump to the conclusion, especially for a sex worker or, or someone who has been in deep sin 
uh, who's been burned a lot through relationships and people lying to them, the, the next conclusion would be that you're probably telling me this story for some reason, that you want something from me or, or something like that. So the big mountain really, to summarize, is trust in the beginning. Mm -hmm. What a lot of people have been hurt by religion too, and there's the false prophets that are there, and the the the, the front organizations for, you know, the fake humanitarian organizations, the the fake rescue organizations, the fake, you know, the the what's the uh, like not foster care. Well, I guess foster care, you know, when people come in to try to adopt, and and then, you know, it's just orphanage. It's, huge e orphanage thank you that was the word i was looking for because that is a front for a very very corrupt system as well so you you're fighting against governments you're fighting against border agents you're fighting it against also the other thing about cambodia that a lot of people don't know and i'm sure you can speak on this is that the families are involved in trafficking the dads are involved in trafficking their kids children is that correct yes because of uh because of my involvement with mostly LGBT, try to focus on LGBT, yeah. and um, the ones that would be an LGBT person who's in, in someone who identifies as LGBT, who's working in prostitution, um, I haven't really encountered much who, who I, I felt had been trafficked. Now, when I, I was in Bangkok and started doing this kind of ministry there, and there was very much a red light district and, and massage parlor after massage parlor lining the streets and and there i would i would run into that where i would um try to talk to a prostitute and and kind of i remember one lady she she appeared to be russian she said her name was elena and she was kind of like get out of here get away from me you don't understand what you're doing you know what i mean it was kind of um yeah. so that's the that would be more usual i think for people who are witnessing to the um to women, but for me, because I'm targeting the LGBT, the sad part is, the sad truth is that the LGBT are, are typically so marginalized that I think people wouldn't even bother to traffic them. You know what I mean? That sounds horrible, but that's the typically, typically so marginalized that, um, and that, that really is the heart for it. That is kind of like the, the church in large part rejects and the world in large part rejects and both of them are changing to a degree but um it's really kind of like anyone who's different from us isn't accepted and and um, yeah. that's where the lord gives the heart for people like you and me to go and reach them because we we felt that rejection i i feel it every day um to to this day i mean sometimes i'm rejecting myself um i try not to shame myself i i've shared this uh in my testimony video and i've shared it a few other times but after i gave my life to the lord it was my sixth time in jail had this amazing supernatural experience with the holy spirit that has really it's made it impossible for me to ever walk away from my faith because i can't deny that moment um that moment was as real and pure as anything i've ever experienced in my life in fact it was the most pure experience and supernatural and powerful experience of my life but it took me about two and a half to three years to accept that God loved me the way I was. And I was still battling and struggling with, you know, mental health issues and my sexuality, drug cravings. Um, you know, I was a chem sex addict for over 20 years because for me, you know, I'm wrestling with these nightmares 
you know, growing up, not knowing what was real. Why am I having these thoughts? Why am I having these nightmares? And the very first time I discovered cocaine, well, I immediately didn't go to coke addict or a drug addict or sex addict. I just flat out became a chem sex addict because immediately the nightmares turned to fantasies. And and I, I didn't want to hurt anymore. So I kept running back to that, running back to that, running back to that. Well, it doesn't take very long to develop a habit. <laughs> and when you do it for over 20 years, it's something. It ruined my sex life um, where normal sex never, see, I like it, it needed to be souped up and crazy because all of my sexual experiences were that way. There was a danger to it. There was an edge to it. There was a risk to it. That's what I fed myself with for over 20 years. So I do give myself some grace with the thoughts that I have now after walking with the Lord for six years, but I can't say that it's gone away. Amen. So for you in your walk, share, share a little bit about your story and how you got to this place where now you're witnessing and serving the LGBT community. I think you, I think, uh, I reached researched you more than you researched me. And um, I just got done watching your movie that you, you've been talking about and you've been referencing things that I saw. I saw an interview oh. before watching the movie and I'm almost finished with the movie actually right before I had to tap on here. But oh, wow. um, so praise the Lord. I was, I related so much. It's very, very intense, intense stuff, but I, I related on many different levels. And um, well, thank you for watching. I don't know if you saw something that, that was posted somewhere, but um often if if a secular group would interview me like a podcast kind of thing they kind of paint the picture that i'm saying that that i've gone from gay to straight and that all my temptation all my homosexual desires have gone away like magic and and suddenly <laughs> i'm 100,000% heterosexually attracted and that's not what i'm saying so when when i get into those situations to get into the interview i really I'll make it a point to make that clear. So uh, the Bible says that God created us and we, we sin, right? Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And uh, Jesus Christ, the Lord, came to die on the cross for our sins. He has no sin. He's, he's holy and the Son of God and came to die on the cross for our sins to pay the penalty that we deserve, to pay the price for our sin in full, and rose again. And if we're willing to repent, put our faith and trust in him, uh, new life, new path, then we can have eternal life and peace in our hearts, the peace that passes understanding, the joy that comes from knowing him that rises above the problems and the temptations. But the reality is that every Christian has struggled to some kind of, of sin, some kind of temptation. For all have sinned and fall short, right? Nobody, nobody is without sin. And even after they've given their lives to Christ, there's still the woman in the church pew who's has a tendency to gossip, right? And there's somebody who's drawn to lying, and there's a guy who gave up alcohol, but he still wants to drink. But we don't we don't run around pointing like, well, he's a, he's a filthy drunk, even though he hasn't had a drink in 20 years, right? We right. you wouldn't right. say that. So I don't consider myself gay because I wake up and I have temptation in the morning or the evening toward the same sex. Like you said, I'm not following that. I've chosen to repent, put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a daily battle. They're still there. I don't, I don't have a, uh, sometimes I have a wandering eye, you know what I mean? But I haven't yeah. gone back to my old life. I haven't done that in 12 years. Praise the Lord. Haven't been with uh, a man in any way, shape or form. Praise God. 
And um, it's only by his grace, only by his power, the, the depth of my relationship with him, that was what he made real to me in the very beginning, that I had to be in the word every day. And the depth of my relationship with him would make or break me, right? If I put down the word of God and said, well, that's okay, I'm over that, I've already been delivered, then maybe two months later I'd be back in the bar. I don't know. But I know the power is not coming from me. It's coming from him, and I need to stay plugged in to Praise abide in him. I want to I want to address something really quick. I didn't research you a whole lot because I, the way that you approached me um, when we were talking about doing the interview, I was like, this is all I need to know. I make it a habit. I think I told you off air that I don't, I don't like to script questions. I don't want anything pre-planned. I love a natural flow, but also I want to get to know you along with the audience. So my questions are typically around that basis and then see where we go from there. But I don't want, please don't feel disrespected just in case you did. I, it's just a thing that me and God have. And I, this is how I like to interview. Um, but I've been fascinated because, listen, I'm going to be real here. There's times that I accept it and I'm cool with it. And then I get in my head and I hear those whispers of whether it's the enemy or, or judgment or fear or the, the church. And, and then I think of my family, like, what is your family going to think of you? And like, even though all my stuff is public and I, I, I admit my, I publicly confess my sins often. I, and this is just because it's what I'm comfortable doing because I was so good at keeping secrets. But sometimes that shame creeps back in. Or I think of my wife. I have the most amazing wife and God has restored so much of my life that I lost. And he's blessed me with this amazing family now. And because of that, I sometimes feel guilty that I have these thoughts. And it's like, I can't, I don't know. Well, I can, thoughts I can cast out, but attraction, when it sneaks up on you and it pops you in the face, it's like, well, gosh dang it, I didn't ask for that. Like, where'd you, just stay home next time. <laughs> like, like, where, I, and I, and sometimes if I'm not having the best day, the, I don't, those thoughts stay there. And then they penetrate and then they start to marinate. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm, I get silent. I get quiet. I shut down. I don't know what to do. And I get paralyzed and I, I get so paralyzed that I don't even know to pray or read the Bible or whatever, because I'm beating myself up so much. And that is not what Jesus died on the cross for. So can I ask, and, and, and the other thing too, is I know, I used to see a lot of former or pastors in the shadow world that I lived in. And so I know there's a lot of believers that have this secret struggle. And so I want to ask this question for myself and for other people that are living with secret shame. And thank God I don't have to keep this a secret anymore. I'm, I'm so happy to have that God gave me the confidence to do this. But when you deal with that, and that's a real thing, like you don't just like, quit like big you don't quit liking big boobs you don't quit liking a nice butt you don't those things don't go away ever they just don't so when that comes up for you like what do you do yeah i i, I just relate to some so much of the stuff that you've said in uh today and in, in the movie and everything and the the one thing uh I felt the same way so many times. And the one thing in the, uh, probably in the first couple of years, I, I don't know if I went to a 
to some kind of uh, athletic event or something, but there, there was some situation where, where somebody approached me or walked by, and I don't remember the detail, but like the facial structure and, and kind of the, the body type and everything was identical to someone from my past life to a point where it was, it could not have been coincidence. And yeah. that's where I, the Lord, the Lord's showing me, this is not something that's happening by coincidence. Satan's bringing these, these situations to trigger you. And often for me, I'm called to evangelism. So I would be out in the park witnessing, you know, walking the dog or something. And maybe somebody the Lord wants me to witness to is on the way down the path. And Satan does this to distract, to blow me up. You know what I mean? To blow up my thought process. So for me, I, I really believe that the Lord uh, uses it to keep me close to him, to keep me dependent on him, to keep me humble. I think most men struggle with some pride. I think if it went away, I had no struggle. I'd be like, here I am. Look at me. You know what I mean? And um, so these days I, I plead the blood in Jesus' name. We, I, I grew up in a Christian home and they would, they would say, plead the blood in Jesus' name when you feel the enemies attacking. I rebuke Satan in Jesus' name. I've been doing that to a greater degree lately. Um, the Lord's been bringing fruit in the, this LGBT outreach over here. And I think that's why I've had stuff going on where I feel like demonic, you know what I mean? Like demonic stuff, uh, like in my thoughts and that kind of stuff. So I've been rebuking Satan in Jesus name and, and it doesn't always immediately go away, but it's just, my dad will say it's a spiritual war we're in. And, and this is how the Lord kind of mans us up. Right. Especially for me, I kind of came out of a, an identity where I might, I might not have been the most girly gay guy, but I kind of jokingly referred to myself as lady and stuff like that. And the Lord's used a lot of kind of like spiritual warfare and fear breaking faith building stuff to to get me to be like okay i'm ready to fight like i have a dog in the fight now like it's a dog. <laughs> i that's all wait were you finished i'm sorry i was about to jump in with something else yeah yeah oh so i uh i love I, I love that first of all i um you know i'm very fortunate that i've been able my wife is the first person. I've attempted the honesty, like 65% honest, then 75% honest, then 95% honest. And finally, now my wife, I'm, I can be 100% honest with, and I can tell her, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I saw this guy, and I'm having these thoughts, and we can talk about it. Like, we have a plan with ourselves and how we communicate. So I know I don't have to hide it, even though I still will shut down sometimes. Because it's not easy to talk about because I'm madly in love with my wife. I She's smoking hot. I uh, love having sex with her. and But I have desires for men, too. And so the one thing I always fear is that she's going to go, well, he's not attracted to me anymore. And he only wants... And like, I go, I can't tell you how true this is, women, that if you have a husband that's bisexual or gay or whatever, it, 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 he's still into you. <laughs> I promise he is. And it doesn't really take away the real it's separate. It's two separate things completely. And it yes. really has nothing to do with you either. And you have to know that. And I know a lot of women in my past personalized it and took it on and it had nothing. My cheating had nothing to do with you. Nothing. My, all of it. It was about me, which is selfish and narcissistic. Yes. 
absolutely. Especially because I lied about it, gaslit and everything else to try to cover up for everything. But now with being honest, even that, it doesn't change how I feel about my wife, but it is something that's there. But I'm so grateful just to be able to talk about it because speaking about it removes so much of the power of that hold that it had on me. Is that the same for you? Amen. Wow. Uh, Satan was defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony because they love not their lives even unto death. So that's the praise the Lord. That's I, I believe that um, I believe that a lot of. I believe a big mountain in the kind of the ex-gay life, as, as I like to call it, for lack of a better term, like <laughs> repented and given their life to Christ. And I, I think a big mountain is to be like, oh, I, I can tell a few people that I know really well, but I can't really tell everyone. And then as long as it it's long as it's kind of something in the closet, Satan continues to use it. And I think yeah. it's really if you really want true freedom in Christ, I think you have to say, I really don't care what anyone says. And then that comes with a, a downside too, because the church kind of, you know, yeah, they don't they, they talk there. <laughs> yeah. but we started our own, so I don't care anymore. I've got my own network, so <laughs> praise God for that. Uh, yeah, because look, I know, I know there's people living with the secrets. And here's the other thing too that I can't figure out, and I know that God is in this. And this is going to sound really weird to a lot of people, but you brought up being more feminine in nature before, and now you're becoming more masculine. I'm not lying, man. Same thing happened to me. So without going into details, when I it came to being with men, I was more feminine in nature. I really was. I know that may shock some of you that are listening right now, but I was more feminine in nature. What has changed with me is now I'm way more masculine in that sense. So you can read between the lines all you want, that's fine, but God is changing that. So I know there's healing involved with that because I was a man and given testosterone for a reason, and that was to be freaking masculine, to be ready for war. And that is what we're in now. And so, and I, and I, another thing too, I'm grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ for this very thing. I'm grateful that I had this battle with my sexuality and here's why. It's because it gives me that many more people that I can speak to about Jesus. And I, I've had so many amazing experiences being able to share my faith to people that were beaten up by the church because they were gay, they were disowned by their families because they were bisexual or gay or transgendered. And so I look at this now where I can say, honest to God, I'm grateful I have HIV, which freaks people out, but I am. Um, I've been able to count, like be there for people that I never thought I would be able to be there for, which is the coolest feeling. And then the LGBT community too. And so like, I'm grateful for that. Like, are you at that place with it? Even though you've removed, yes. like it's, it's fueled your purpose, right? Yeah, it, uh, through the kind of like through the fire comes a calling. I, I've said before, I, I grew up in a Christian home in small town and I was meek and quiet and gentle and I probably would be completely deactivated. No good, completely worthless to the Lord if, if I hadn't been through all this and been given 
the fire because uh, when he delivered me from from slavery to sin, not necessarily the attraction, but from slavery to sin, he set me mm-hmm. years ago. Praise the Lord! And it was he revealed the work of Satan. Like in the first few months, it's like I should be learning about the Lord, but I'm I'm learning about the Lord and I'm learning about Satan because it's required to to do battle at this level. So then it was like, okay, my friends are still out there. Satan has them by the throat. They're on the way out. I need to reach them, and and uh, that that got a little sticky. I needed to to really uh, to kind of detach from some of the friends that would be influences and that sort of thing in order to survive myself. And then the Lord built me through through the reading of His Word and in prayer and service to to know my identity in Christ and to fall in love with Him, and and then. Uh, just did a whole lot of work before I was really prepared to go out and engage folks uh, from the LGBT life. It's really a spiritual war. Yeah, it's a spiritual battle because it's like going back to, I mean, you're going back into the fire, so to speak. And that's tough. I mean, that can be because of temptation. And like with my thing, I know, you know, I was only homeless for a couple of weeks and it really was not as dramatic as homeless sounds because I was in a $105,000 car sleeping. Um, but nonetheless, I lost everything, didn't have a home and gave up my car to get a room to rent. Um, uh, what was the point of that? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. Um, and no, it had a point. I just brain farted. Ah! What? Why did I say this about Jesus? Going back to the fire. Oh, thank you very much. Serving the homeless. One of the things that with our foundation, even though we're more media centric and providing those service, services and education to the youth and people with troubled past like myself, um, because if you know media, you can do anything. You can create the life of your dreams. Like it, not that's not that fast, but that knowledge allows you to piece it together where you can immediately have seven, eight, nine, revenue streams it's a beautiful thing and if you know media guess what you don't need the college degree and no one cares about your your criminal record that stuff doesn't matter so my heart is to serve people that were like me and the youth to provide those opportunities that's part of the reason why we want to go to cambodia um but the um the, the serving the homeless one of the things that we got really involved with was working in the community with the homeless Uh, people without homes, people in need, and serving food and having fellowship and things like that. One of the things that was a really big battle for me was being around the spirit of meth, the spirit of you you mix all those things together, the the sex addicts and the drugs, and and that atmosphere wasn't so much the homeless itself, but that stuff is really prevalent in that area, in that community within the homeless, especially in Minnesota. Um, those familiar spirits were very agitating and they loved to latch on to me. And, and so I, it, it, I wasn't able to do it as much as I wanted because it was affecting me so bad. How is how for you going in this situation, how are you able to keep those familiar spirits from latching onto you and trying to take over you? Yeah. Uh, when, the Lord first called me to Cambodia and I first got over here. I I really didn't I felt like I felt like the Lord was calling me to the LGBT at some point in the future, but I didn't know what that would look like and I just knew that I had a heart for missions and I had been on missions trips to Cambodia and 
And uh, the Lord led to Cambodia and put me into a local church. I was teaching in the church and from school that my friend had there and was able to share the gospel. And and um, so kind of got familiar with things and started to learn the language and, and that sort of thing that first year. And then uh, through a series of stuff going on, ended up in Thailand next door. And that was Bangkok, like the center of Las Vegas times 50, just, just <laughs> prostitution and transgender plastic surgery and um, all kinds of anything you can imagine. And so I got in there and it's like, I know that the Lord is leading me to go and find the red light district and to witness to these folks. I don't know the first thing about how it's going to pan out, but that's what I'm supposed to do. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go during the daytime. I'm going to kind of be wise about it, right? I'm not going to go at night. So it's like too much. And so I started out going during the daytime. And what I found was that the places that the Lord put me in were with transgender folks. And you and I are a bit different from our past. I, I wasn't attracted to transgender in, in my past or currently. And so to me, it was like a safe, neutral spot. You know what I mean? And, uh, I was like, that would be a trap for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then uh, so it started out like that. And then there were occasions where like on the corner of the red light, everybody's a, a lady boy, they call them here everybody's a lady boy and all these massage parlors but then on the corner there's one like regular gay bar like i would have gone to in my past life and it's like oh i feel really awkward like if i'm going to share with them i better make it quick and get out of here just because it's it's uncomfortable for me but um the lord's led in baby steps like that and and a lot of the time like when i would go to those bar places i would i would typically not in every case but i would typically try to go like the seven o'clock kind of hour where people the, the, the lady boys are putting on the makeup and things like that and try to get somebody kind of one-on-one um to kind of do do what i could to make it as as safe as possible but um always in public public areas like if i would go to phnom penh now it's the capital of cambodia there's a there's a red light district there with lady boys and LGBT and prostitutes. And so there, everything is public in the streets of Bangkok. Everything is public. I'm not going typically behind any door or any, any place like that. That'd be, uh, you know what I mean? Everything Stay out of the shadows. In other words. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Man. So the that Lord's really interesting places. I, in the very beginning, I, I did go into a couple bars and then I felt very much convicted about that. Like that's not what's required. There are some kind of contemporary ministries that do that kind of thing. Like guys who never struggle with homosexuality, they'll go and set up a table inside the gay bar and they'll position themselves and share Christ in there. But for me, somebody who's lived that and really experienced the music and the, like you said, the, you feel that you feel like I'm back in the zone kind of thing. Like it's not, it's not good for me. Not a good place. So I stay out on the streets and in public places now. And oh boy, that's, that's amazing. I, cause I, you know, the place, one of the places I actually feel safe is a bar, um, a regular bar, not a, a disco or something like that. Where, <laughs> where I know, for instance, it, I could find meth or coke or ecstasy, like with just, I could smell it and know where to go. Like I stay away from that, but I could walk into a regular bar. In fact, when my wife and I go out to eat or something, 
we can go sit at the bar and, and church will break out at the bar. It just always happens. Like it will be around drunk people. And all of a sudden it's like, we're talking about Jesus and they're telling about their church experiences. And it's like, well, my goodness, this is fun. But I also know that there's certain things that I couldn't go to, which is the kind of bars you're talking about. I want to get into something that's extremely controversial. Um, especially with the people that are trying to like, when I say I support the LGTB community is means I, I support all of God's children. And I believe that everyone deserves a chance to know about Jesus. I believe that everyone is savable. I believe that everyone, you know, when they give their life to Jesus, their life of hell gets to turn into a life of purpose. Like I believe all that, but what I don't support is when the government is spending money and every corporation in the world is pushing an agenda down your throat. That I don't support. Educating children and about some of these books. And if you've seen the context of these books where, you know, they're showing sex positions with same sex, my five and six-year-old do not need to see that. And yeah, it's a thing. So I have an issue with that. So that said, the issue I'm speaking about are the people that say you're born gay. Now, in your opinion, do you believe that you were born gay or you were born with a, you have a generational curse that was passed down and this sin you were born with? Is that how you view it? Or do you believe that you were born gay as a, this is how God you made you? Yeah, the, uh, we went, we went through before that God created the heavens and the earth and the first man, the first woman, and they sinned against him. And since then we're, we're all born in sin with a sinful nature. And uh, in many, many, many of the cases that many of the, the people that I knew in my past life, many, many LGBT folks who identify as LGBT uh, would say that they were molested at some point in their childhood. Um, my situation wasn't the same and i think some other folks that i know not not quite the same but but i really believe that it's a spiritual war and satan's the god of this world and he deceived even the garden and he seeks to steal, steal kill and destroy and no matter how he can get in i think he likes to attack in the childhood and i just have a personal theory um he's been doing this for a long 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 time and he knows an awful lot right he knows people and he would know to look at look in the playgrounds right he would know this guy is showing possible signs of a pastor gift this one's possibly called to be the worship leader let's take that guy out before he gets started right that's a personal theory holy crap one i agree with by the way i think the same thing the only thing i've always uh, with myself is I could, go, I could easily blame it on being molested. But when I, as I've healed, I was able to, God showed me the situation that happened days before. It was the very first time I saw porn. And I remember, I, I, I remember exactly what I was drawn to. And it was both. I'll just say it that way. And maybe it was a curiosity, maybe whatever, but I know that I was stimulated. So even though what happened to me was not something that I asked for or wanted or any of the other times that it happened either, 
there's always been this part of me that believed that I attracted that into my life because of that situation and because of maybe an energy I put off. Because that theory that like attracts like, I don't think that changes. There's an age demographic on that. Anyway, like maybe I didn't know the energy I was putting off, but I certainly believe that it's very, very possible that I attracted that into my life. And that sounds crazy, but I have that belief. And I don't know why, don't know what to think, but maybe it's because I believe like attracts like. I mean, for instance, before, when I was a wreck, the only women that were going to be attracted to me, well, they had their own issues too. <laughs> no healthy woman was going to look at me and go, hey, yeah, let's date that guy. He's a winner. <laughs> it was not happening. So, I mean, I believe that. So I don't know if that's even right. I don't know any of that. But that's kind of been my own theory because I've been trying to understand this to a great degree. On the flip side of it, I almost wish I didn't try to think about it so much. I just love to deep think and I love to know the why behind everything. But I almost wish I didn't because the one thing I know that matters is that all of that God is now using for good and, and and all the things that hurt me get to be used for good. So really, it doesn't matter other than my personal need to understand the why behind everything. Amen. Now, do you feel like me? If you if you hadn't really been through the fire, if you will, um, do you think you would be the whimpering guy in the, under the pew and not not effective and? Maybe the Lord's calling for you always was to be who you are today, right? We we would say that, and maybe you would have never gotten to that point without the fire. Yeah. Well, so to answer your question, yes, because after being molested the first time is when I got my first vision. And all the trauma in my life, self-inflicted or not, <laughs> or public embarrassment of being arrested and you know, all the different things that came along with that. God would give me a vision and show me what was possible if I just chose him. And I didn't want any part of it. I was like, I don't want that responsibility. No. <laughs> um, and so, but it was my sixth time in jail when I was facing five years. And I was certain that that's, I was going to be in jail uh, or prison. I'm sorry. Um, when God, when I said my life is no longer my own, it's yours, take my life, it's yours, I surrender. And the Holy Spirit dropped, knocked me on my butt, man, and lifted me up at the same time. And all of a sudden, it was like all of my senses and everything were just like on fire. And I felt like I was levitating and I felt supernatural. And, and then I just felt this joy and this peace unlike ever before. And I started getting flooded with visions. And basically what it was, was God was showing me this whole time, this is the life I have for you. Now go do it. And, and that was special. So I would not, even though I dreamed of doing all the things I'm doing now, the part of it I didn't think I'd be doing was serving the Lord doing it. Like I wanted to be a shock chuck. I wanted to be a host on HSN and QVC because I love talking about products and, and pitching products and, and explaining and I love teaching. I love doing all that stuff, but I also like to perform. Um, 
And so, but I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would get my dreams coming true, but it also meant, yeah, you're going to serve the Lord with it too. And it's just been amazing. And so now I'm convinced that if you want your dreams to come true, well, do what your creator created you to do. And those two things, and you think, well, the creator created me to be a talk show host. Oh, no, 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 no. That's something I get to do. God created me to serve him and his people and use my gifts and the talents that he blessed me with to serve my fellow man. And so it just so happens that I have the gift for Gab and I'm media savvy and all those things. So now I get to do all these things that I dreamed about as a kid, but doing it for God's children and serving the Lord. It's amazing. Praise all of it. So tell me about your ministry. Is Castaway Ministries yours? It's a it's a five hundred one c three, just like your ministry. Very very small. Um, so it's a we have a board in Central Pennsylvania, and and Castaway is kind of the the name comes from the the feeling that I've had throughout life, and like you said, even to date, uh, in many circles, feel like a castaway, like the kind of like the high school cafeteria. There's the pop, popular kid table. And then the outcast, and I, I've always kind of felt like the guy on the outside. So Castaway Ministries uh, got its name from that. Tell tell everybody what the ministry does. So I'm I'm the missionary over here in Cambodia for Castaway, and um, go out to reach out to the LGBT with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, call them to repentance and new life in Christ. What Jesus did for me, he wants to do for many people and has already done for many people. And so a lot of it's uh, building the relationship, like I said, building the trust and sharing the testimony as the Lord leads with the, with the intent to share the gospel. And then uh, most often after the, the relationship's been built, the testimony has been shared most often people here are willing to listen to the gospel and um it's often a process of going back and being faithful and i'm learning that more and more to to continue to be persistent even when it seems like all hope is lost if the lord's leading to continue to pray for somebody and continue to to go um and to continue doing that and trust him for the fruit so recently had a a first convert it's it seems like it hasn't been too long it's been since 2016 late 2016 but over these past several years it's been like pulling teeth just to get someone to accompany for church you know just come to church one time it's been so difficult to get any fruit and um i'm in seminary now so learning um had a contemporary evangelism class and the Lord used tips from that class and, and kind of tweaked my approach a little bit and he just uses different experiences and people and different things to to kind of push me forward and and provoke me to do more. And so recently had a have our, our first convert, praise the Lord, and and he'd been meeting with him kind of small, small group, just two of us for breakfast once a week and then going to see him usually one more time. So kind of doing my best as I can as he's not available for church at the moment, but I'm hoping that his work schedule will allow him to, to join for church more often in the future. And then another young man's been accompanying going to church with me recently is his third, third week as of yesterday, praise the Lord. So, so it's kind of a new season in the ministry. It's been uh, long and kind of arduous, but if I look back on the past three years, it's not, 
not too long, I guess, three, four years. But so thankful for the fruit. Praise the Lord. Man, I um, I have such a respect for small ministries. And I believe that these ministries, especially ministries like yours that are is doing such, it's an in the trenches work and you don't have the, the massive funding and the size and the prowess of other organizations, but yet faithfully you continue to do what you do and serve and to honor the Lord. And I, I to me, that's inspiring because, you know, it's easy to look at these other pastors that have the big names and the awesome branding and uh, the marketing machine behind them. And it's easy to look at that and want that, you know, I mean, TD Jakes was an influence for me and what he was doing as a producer and all of that. And like, I my, I mean, I, I have to respect that. You know, I think it's, it's awesome. I, I now of course believe that there's some ulterior things going on that I won't get into here. But it seems like a lot of the mega churches and these bigger churches are, you know, not what they seem to be. But at the same time, whether they are or not, it doesn't matter because it's these the organizations like yours and even ours. And then my, the church that I'm under the covering of uh, in Oklahoma City, Word of God Church, like those ministries, they're bringing in half the congregation or 90. It's like I don't know what the percentage is now. But when I was there, I swear to you, it was like 98 percent of the congregation was either convict or ex-convict. And, and the pastor is one of the most mighty men of God I know, former drug lord and all the stuff. And um, like my heart is for those ministries, the people that are going to take the degenerates, the outcasts, the misfits, the castaways, like that's who Jesus hung out with. And it's those people, and I, I should say it's people like us that for some reason are not allowed to share our testimonies of what Jesus has done for us at these mega churches or these bigger churches. And I don't understand it, but I will tell you this. I believe this with all my heart. Ministries like yours are going to take off because one, there's going to be a falling away from these mega churches as more and more get exposed for who they are. Uh, Hillsong is just the first one. But that said, I believe that this hibernation almost that you're in and the slow growth, is going to explode for you because this ministry matters and here's why it matters because i don't know the percentages i have no math to support what i'm about to say but i can tell you in my own world of living in the shadows there's a lot of the same people that you see on stage at these big churches that are in the bathhouses they're they're going and seeing hookers that are you know the same sex they're doing drugs with them they're doing those things. And and so, and God is going to expose that because it's one, done in secret, but two, they're being hypocrites. And what you're doing, Matthew, is you're being honest about where you're at. And God blesses truth because he is the truth. So I really am excited to see your ministry grow and what you're doing grow because there are so many people, and this is what kills me, when I, what first motivated me to come out like fully about where I was at exactly, I did an episode, um, it was my old show called Going Deeper. And just the night before, I had two, I found out two people I knew committed suicide over their sexuality. Wow. They were, they were believers, 
they wrestled with it, they hated themselves, and they killed themselves because they could not deal with the guilt and the shame. And you know what? I don't want to put a blanket and point the finger at anybody for this. But as believers, as Christians, in the church or out of the church, whatever your stance is, followers of Jesus, whatever you call yourself, if you are not showing love to the LGBT community, you're not showing love, the, expressing the love of Jesus. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Shame on you. Because people are killing themselves. People are hurting themselves because they don't feel safe to go inside of the church. Amen. Because they're afraid to be bashed because of their sexuality. That's not cool. I don't. I know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says about homosexuality, and and, and I, I know I know clearly what it says. But I also know that it says to love. I know what it says. I know that it says to to uh, to hate the sin, but love the sinner. Amen. We're all sinning. We're all, we all sin. We're all we all fall short. So your Amen. your junk is no different than mine, except I'm willing to talk about it and not shame and beat other people over the head about it. We've got to make space for the transgender community. We've got to make space. You know why? Because so many of the transgender community. When they after they go through their conversion, not conversion, the transition, they have regret, and then they have severe depression. They have they're suicidal, and this is and it's an epidemic. And you can easily point. Well, there you go, sinner. You're a demon if you say that. That's demonic. That's still a child of God. It's still a child of God. We have to make space for people that of all walks of life to come know about Jesus, Muslim, atheist, Buddhist, transgender, gay, bisexual. We have to make the space and open our hearts to loving even them, even though we don't like their sin. We get to love them. Amen. Sorry, I almost started preaching. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm very passionate about this subject um, because it matters, because I'm, I, 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 hurt myself over it. I've wanted to die because of it. I, I've done a lot of bad because of it. But the least I can do now is be honest about it. And I know that bringing it all out in the light, God, God is going to heal it and use it the way he wants to. And that's why I admire you so much, Matthew. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, before we go, tell everybody about your book, uh, your books, the straight series. Uh, book number one, straight and escape prodigal story is a testimony book it's a pretty short read it takes about an hour to read it and it's uh my early childhood through through the repentance day 2010 may 28th and then book number two is kind of new life in christ i, I was trying to figure out how to to break up the new life in christ and i noticed in your movie i'm assuming that kind of reflects what would be in the book you you kind of take like topical you go by a topic and then you then you walk through it chronologically and then you jump back to the next topic and you walk through that chronologically and so that's kind of what i did i took one topic i took fear breaking and faith building missions kind of what the lord did to set me free from from my old life and to build me up and restore so that i could serve him i was terrified of public speaking uh, terrified of heights terrified of deep ocean water afraid of so many things and he walked me through a lot of unusual uh, kind of hoops, Toastmasters, public speaking training, and 
I'm jumping out of an airplane, skydiving and, and scuba diving in Australia, the Great Barrier Reef, praise the Lord. So a lot of exciting opportunities, <laughs> witnessing to Muslims in Malaysia. And so then it kind of bleeds into the coming to Cambodia and, and branching out to different countries in Southeast Asia to kind of get a feel for what things are like here and witnessing to people and figuring out, well, what do most people in the Philippines, like a primarily Catholic country, what do they say when you share Christ with them? What do most people in Malaysia, what, what's their response? Just kind of example and kind of just telling those, those travel stories. So it's part travel stories, part interesting, fear-breaking, faith-building missions. It's designed really to encourage the, the guy who thinks that evangelism is such a big deal and you have to know the scripture so well and I could never do it and I'm afraid to travel and just <laughs> get that guy to think, look at me, I'm not a pastor, I'm, I'm just a regular guy and you know, worked a regular job and the Lord called me over here and and I'm just sharing the simple gospel message. It's not rocket science. As long as the Lord's called and he's in it, then he equips those he's called. So, so it's not a case of being afraid. We should walk forward and fight to follow like soldiers for the Lord. So I think it's an exciting book. I don't know if um, it's an exciting book so much to everybody else who hasn't walked through it. When it's your own experience and you see the Lord in it, you're you're reading like each page like, wow, I can't believe the Lord did this. This is really what happened. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, look, we all have a gay uncle or gay cousin or maybe we are the gay one, whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's a good book for everyone to read so you can kind of understand. Like, yeah. it, it, it's not every situation... You can't just put a blanket over it and go, call it gay. It doesn't work that way. It's complex. There's a lot of things going on. But the miracle is that, you know, it, 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 I, I often wonder if this is my thorn, right? What Paul talks about. Yes. And so I go, well, all right. So I'm just going to boast and brag, or not brag, like confidently. Ha oh, ha, look at my sin. But I am going to talk about it. And, and I find it to be freeing because I'm, for the first time in my life, I'm not looking over my shoulder or worrying about what people say about me because I'm already saying it for them. So it's like, <laughs> what do you want from me? I'm being honest. Are you? I, I, that's, that's the difference. And, and I love that. But that's the freedom that comes with Jesus. Like, if I, if I could sell Jesus to anybody, it would be, do you want to be free? Do you want to be free of all those things that hurt you? You talk about my daddy hurt me, my mommy hurt me, my boyfriend, girlfriend hurt me, everybody hurt me, I, and, I, and I, I feel shame, and I feel guilt, and I feel Jesus is your freedom. It's, it's freedom from everything. It's freedom from oppressors. It's freedom from judgment. It's freedom from now people can judge you, but in Christ you learn your identity, and when you know your identity, that criticism doesn't mean anything. It falls off you because you know who you are. So when people say, you're a Cheerio box, you're like, what? I'm not a Cheerio box, you idiot. Like, what are you talking about? Like, they're not even Like, you know you're not a Cheerio box. So if you know your identity in Christ, that means you are who God says you are, and when you are God who says you are, eh, I got no worries. And that's freedom. That's freedom. And that is what I love about Jesus so much. Oh, and the other thing, 
all the loss, all the hurt, all the pain in Christ makes sense because that crap has a purpose. Amen. Matthew, tell Praise everybody where they can follow you, support you. Uh, they can donate to your ministry. Tell everybody everything you, they need to know. Xgaywitness.com, E-X-G-A-Y-W-I-T-N-E-S-S.com. That's the that's the site that contains uh, how to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, how to uh, buy the book, either either of the two books, and hopefully another one coming out this year, Lord willing. And then there's also a link to the other site, castawayministries.org, C-A-S-T-E-W-A-Y-M-I-N-I-M-I-N-I-E-R-I-E-S.org. And that's where uh, you'll get information about um, the gospel in several different languages and information about how to kind of what our ministry is doing, what's going on lately, and also how to donate, how to to support us financially and support us in prayer. Absolutely. Gaywitness.com is kind of the portal to everything. And of course, those of you that go to Live One Worldwide frequently, you'll be able to find the media kit there with links to buy his book and support his ministry and also learn more about Matthew. Matthew, God bless you, my man. Anything that we can ever do to support you, please, please let us know. Don't be a stranger and uh, God bless you, bro. Thank you, sir. See you soon, man. See you. See you when you come to Cambodia. I can't wait. I'll be in touch, man. Okay. See you, brother. Hey, Mike, go away. I'm trying to get rid of you, and it won't. There he goes. <laughs> wow. Uh, you guys go support Matthew's ministry, please. What he's doing, um, I can't tell you enough. I know I, at the very beginning, focused a lot on human trafficking but it's honestly all I know about Cambodia other than it's gorgeous. Um, but I, I love that. And I love the honesty. I love where he's at. Um, and I love the fact that he's not hiding. He's being honest where he's at, but also, you know, he, he has his thorn. He didn't say it was his thorn, but let's just say that it's his thorn. It's there, but it doesn't mean that he's going to act on it. And that's the thing about, Jesus is that with a relationship with Jesus, we get this power to be able to withstand anything that comes at us, any temptation, um, any attack, anything. And that's that's amazing. So anyway, I really, really appreciate Matthew. I appreciate you all being here. And look, if any of you, look, we all know somebody, and I'm not telling you to go rat anybody out. That's not what I'm about to say. But we all know somebody that's struggling secretly. It's a secret shame. Men, let me tell you this. I know it's macho to be, you know, a man. And I shave beavers with my teeth or whatever. <laughs> I chop down trees with my, my fist. And I do karate. And I eat steak rare. Like whatever that stereotype, typical man crap is. I don't know. But anyway, the point is this. I know a lot of you have a double life. I know, and you and and you beat yourself up, or you medicate yourself so you can't feel the guilt. I know. I know, because I was that guy. I was that guy, and worse. And even though I'm tempted, even though I have my struggles, straight up, 
the fact is that the Lord is giving me this ability and the power to not give in to the temptation, to not act on it. And listen, I get up to the line sometimes. There's no doubt. Get to the line more than I'd like to admit. But through the power of the Lord, I don't cross it. And, and that's what Jesus can do for you. And I tell I swear to you, I mean, yeah, I said at the beginning, there's times I beat myself up. There is. It's just not like it used to be. Because my beating myself up before meant I disappeared for four days on meth binges, sometimes weeks, or I would just hide from everybody that knew me. There's no more hiding. And I know one of the scariest things you can do is admit that you have an attraction to the same sex or that you've been cheating on your spouse with the same sex or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever. Men tend to have the most pride. Therefore, I, I think that they keep their secrets a little bit more so than women. And I don't know that for sure. So forgive me if that was wrong. But just knowing how men are, the secret, you know, porn stashes and and, 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 and sneaking off and cheating, getting on the apps, doing all that stuff. The best thing that you can ever do for yourself and the people that love you is be honest about where you're at. The book and the movie that he was referring to is The Devil Inside Me, stuff that's above me. Those We've been blessed to win multiple film festivals, which is a true blessing because they were all secular with the exception of one. And they got to hear about how I found Jesus. And my goal, of course, is we have a, we have huge goals and what we want to do with it. And we are believing the Lord for. But I did all those things. Cheating. Again, I didn't get HIV from eating Cheerios. Cheerios should sponsor the show. I've talked about them a bunch today. Anyway. Um, but this is. I hurt so many people and you got to think about this and i'm not casting my past on you but if you, this is you if i'm talking to you and you're doing this i want you to hear me and hear this clearly the damage you're doing doesn't affect just you it doesn't affect just the person you're cheating on it affects families it affects future relationships because odds are the person that you're hurting and giving PTSD to, to PTSD to the person you're gaslighting right now to cover your lies. You uncomfortable yet? The person you're doing that to odds are is not going to do the work to go heal after this. They're not going to take the time to work on themselves so they can get whole again before they go into another relationship. This is how generational curses begin. And maybe you're just carrying one on. But the fact is, it's not a victimless crime. It's not a one-person offense. Think about how you affect a woman. And again, you could be doing this to a man, not two. But if you affect your woman, 
And then you've, you've beaten her down and robbed her of her spirit. And you've gaslit her to the point that she doesn't trust her own discernment. So then she's now affecting her children if she has them because she's not the same mom she was before she, you came into her life. And now her relationship with her family and her other friends are now affected because the entire time she's trying to protect you. I know how men become abusers. It's because they try to cover their secrets. It's not the only way, but that's one of the ways. This is not innocent. And another thing, too, you are not a man if you can't be honest. If you want to go bang other, other girls or other guys or whatever it is that you want to do, and look, there's plenty out there that want that open relationship, except you don't want your partner to go do it, but you want to be able to do it. That's selfish and narcissistic. That's a whole other thing. But if you want to sleep with other people, be a man and go tell your partner that. At least be honest about it instead of lying. And you don't want to know if you, you want to know if something's real for you or not, try being honest about it. Because it's funny how secrets that we keep, we're going to go over this and, you know, hey, I'm going to, I want to do drugs. And like doing drugs is okay. And doing drugs and having sex. Yeah, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I can do that. Keeping it to yourself and doing that. But try being honest with your partner about it and then going to do it. Say it out loud that you want to do it. Say it out loud. Verbalize it. Hey, I want to do drugs and have sex with guys. Do you feel the same way? How do you feel after being honest with your partner about what you want? Because here's the thing I've learned. And this is not biblical. <laughs> and church folk won't like this very much. But this is the truth. If you can be honest with your partner about everything, you learn that you don't have to keep secrets. You'll learn that some of the things that you really want to do, you won't do. But if you really, really, really want to do it, and that stays the same after you've been honest, here's the craziest thing ever. Most women will be like, yeah, I love you. Okay. So I'm not condoning sleeping around. I'm not promoting polyamorous relationships or anything like that. I'm not doing that. I'm promoting being honest. Because here's what I know. The truth not only will set you free, but it's going to set everybody else around you free. Truth also brings healing. And healing brings forth your identity. So try being honest. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed this. See you next time.